Hey guys, and welcome to Fika with Rice, a podcast about life hacks, inspirational life stories, routines, and keys to success. I'm your host, Frederick Van Hoon, and each week I meet some of the most incredible people in the world from self made millionaires, best selling authors, experts, and world class athletes. My goal is to extract their wisdom, mindset, tools so you can use them in your daily life, but above all, to inspire you. Let's get this Fika started. Welcome to episode 8 by Fika with Rise. This week we meet Claude Silva, the right-hand person of Gary Vaynerchuk at VaynerMedia, which is a super successful media agency with over 800 employees around the world and the world's first chief heart officer. In this episode, we learn tactical advices on how to have tough conversations, how you can build a company culture that is vibrant and filled with kindness and still succeed. An incredible conversation filled with nuggets of wisdom, relationship advices that anyone can learn from. This is Claude's story. Let's go. Hello, Claude. Welcome to Fika with Rice. I'm really grateful to have you here on, on, on the show. You're an incredibly interesting person with an impressive life resume, I would say. And for our listeners that might not be aware, you're the right-hand person of Gary Vaynerchuk at VaynerMedia, which is a super successful media agency with over 800 employees around the world. And you're the world's first chief heart officer. So um, I thought to start by asking you, your job title says chief heart officer. And, uh, but if I just met you and asked you, what do you do? What do you answer? Because I know that we had this question before this, this introduction. Okay, what are you actually doing? But what would you answer if I was somebody who you just met? I would say I take care of every single human being at the agency and help them remove roadblocks so that they can be the very best human being that they can possibly be. That's a great answer. That's a great answer, Claude. I like that. <laughs> so, okay. Um, how does one that leaves college teaches surfing year round, go to creating heroes in 800 plus employees and work side by side with one of the most influential entrepreneurs in the US? <laughs> well, my path is definitely not linear. And that is the secret sauce, I think. You know, knowing that everything I've done in my life has got me to this place right now to work alongside Gary and to have the incredible honor and privilege of developing wonderful hearts and wonderful minds of today and the future. But it's all because I did take the road less traveled. I never knew that that's what I was doing necessarily. I just knew that the way formal education was structured didn't work that well for me. And so I needed to find ways to educate myself and to learn through life and living and through studying things that were very curious to me rather than going to school for four years because that's what you were supposed to do. So I did end up graduating from college when I was 28. And then I dabbled in the internet.com is what it was called back then. And 
did a lot of different jobs with startups and then started a surfing and outdoor adventure company. But every single thing I did back then and every single thing I do now is the same, which is growing teams, developing human beings, mentoring and coaching people. It's all the same to me. So I was lucky enough to meet Gary, who is such a phenomenal human being and a great mentor and teacher and social media evangelist, among many other things. And our energies just really click together. They work together. And so I'm very honored to get the opportunity to work side by side and really help him run the company. Yeah, I, I understand, you know, in the in the US, it's not very common to to take a break from college or and do something unconventional like you did, Claude, and graduate at age 28. Um, I mean, I, I'm from Sweden myself. I don't look very Swedish. My parents are from Cambodia. But I know in Sweden, you know, it's very common to like start college, you know, when you're 22, 23, 24, sometimes even uh, take a few gap, few years of gap years uh, and get to know yourself before you take on this big challenge of going to university. So. I must be Swedish then somewhere in my DNA. I must have I must have the, that same type of uh, uh, you know, DNA because I'm very like that. I, I really. Looking back on it, I was definitely not ready to go to university at 18. So I ended up taking the gap years after I left my second, after I left my sophomore year. So uh, one way or the other, it all worked out. And I think, you know, people need to follow their heart. And school is phenomenal. Education is terrific. And education comes in many different forms. It is true. I like that saying. You're saying education comes in different types of uh, forms. I'm sure you learned a lot of things about life when you were teaching people how to stay on, stay on a surfboard, you know, in the cold water in the Pacific. That's right. Exactly. You learn a lot about yourself very quickly when you are cold and when you are pushing yourself physically to do something that doesn't necessarily come naturally. But then you figure it out and you think, oh, wow, look at this. I'm balancing on water. It's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's really, I don't know, it's pretty extraordinary what we can do with our bodies and our minds when we kind of release all of the pressure that we put on ourselves. It is true. Yeah, it is true. Um, I train um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on my free time. and. Uh, uh, my my professor he um, he's from Brazil came from the favelas very humble beginnings learned to speak English just, and never went to school and uh, I remember a conversation we had a few months ago it was nine in the morning after morning training and he said Frederick you can learn from anyone I will I'm learning lessons from the cleaning lady here in the gym every day I'm learning from this boxing ring which I never enter but I'm learning everything I need for life just here he says. Yeah. So resonate a lot with what you're saying, Claude. I love that. And it's, it's an incredibly humble way to go about life when you remember that every single person is a teacher and every single person is a student. And right then and there, it's, I think it just opens your heart. I really do. I think it opens your, 
your heart and your mind to the fact that everyone has the possibility of teaching us every single day. It's true. It is true. It's really important to take down your ego and realize that, you know, that we can learn from anyone. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre if we don't have that realization because then we go about life closing ourselves off to any kind of growth that someone could possibly give us or put in our path because we think we know all the answers when I don't even know what an answer is if you think about it. They're just different possibilities and ways of going about solving different challenges. Yes. You know, I can go very philosophical on you right now, but I'll, I love I'll, that though. I'll keep it cool. I'll keep it cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so before this interview as well and this conversation, um, I was reading somewhere that you said to yourself that you needed to kick yourself in the butt in your early 20s. What happened and why did you want to do it? And yes, what well, did it teach you by kicking yeah. yourself in the butt? So after I left college, after I left yeah, university, after my sophomore year, my second year, I knew that I was on a path that wasn't going to go well for me. I was not, I was not living my best life, put it that way. I was uh, definitely engaged in some self-destructive um, behaviors. And, and, um, and, you know, I don't think I really liked myself that much to tell you the truth. And so I told my parents I needed to find the longest wilderness leadership course I could possibly find because I needed to get my butt kicked. And I knew that the wilderness, that the outdoors would humble me and would reshape me. And that's what I needed. So I found an outward bound course, which is a wilderness, wilderness leadership course, and it was 93 days. And, uh, you know, you couldn't bring in anything other than what, what you were wearing. I mean, you know, you were not supposed to even bring in toilet paper. Um, you know, we went every 18 days without a hot shower. We carried, each of us carried 80 pounds on our back. And we, you know, put ourselves through some extremely strenuous physical activity, physical challenge, but more than anything, emotional and mental, because, you know, you're, you know, I was doing some really wild things, you know, climbing 13, 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado and rafting down the Grand Canyon, class five rapids, living in the Grand Canyon and, you know, going without water sometimes for two days, you know, really, really strenuous things. However, it stripped away a lot of the baggage I had, a lot of that, a lot, everything I was carrying that told me that I was not good enough, it reminded me that I was actually enough, that I was exactly who I was supposed to be. And uh, I learned a lot of leadership skills on those 93 days and you know, learned how to trust myself and trust a team and build a team. And and lead a team through some really strenuous activities. And I came out of that really understanding that I wanted to be of service. That was the kind of leader I knew I was and that I wanted to be. And that is something that has stayed with me, you know, to this very day. Wow. Um, 
thank you for sharing that, Claude. I, I must ask you what did you what were the conversations inside your head when you were carrying these this your your backpack of eighty pounds, you know, which is I think forty kilos more or less, right? Yeah. It's it's huge. Um, what did you tell yourself to keep going, especially when you didn't have water? Because to go without food is fine, but without water. Yeah. Well, you know, at first I didn't say very nice things to myself at all. I really didn't. Those first two weeks were really, uh, really horrendous weeks. I, I was thinking to myself, why did I do this? Why? I don't want to be here. You know, I want to just break my leg. I want to go home because it was, it was too challenging for me mentally. And then I started to sink in and understand like, okay, we're in it together. We're all going to do this together. We're going to get through these challenges together. And then I started to rely on my team and rely on the people I was around. It was, I was with nine young men. I was the only young woman. And, um, you know, we started to actually enjoy each other and enjoy the stories that we were telling each other and you know, started to, you know, the connections that we formed, you know, led to really great trusting relationships. You have to be able to trust your team in some of these grueling activities. So, you know, I have my journals from those days. And I can see the two days that we went without water, how my handwriting started to change, you know, started to get really, uh, you know, I, I could tell I was really dizzy in those two days. We would have to, you know, we would have to find little water holes in nature and then fill up our water bottle and put these iodine drops in so that we could drink it without, uh, you know, uh, getting bad bacteria. And it just took us a while to find enough water holes for us to fill up our water bottles. Wow. Oh, I'm sure you built a lot of mental toughness during those 93 days. Was it 93 or 96, Claude? 93. 93. 93. Yeah. yeah 93. Wow. Yeah. You know, this is before cell phones. This is before, you know, there, we didn't, there was no, we just, every 18 days we got our mail snail mail handed to us, you know, and if we wanted to make a phone call back to our parents, we would have to use a pay phone every 18 days. Wild. Yeah. Yes. But the best, the best. I recommend it to everyone. I really do. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I would love to, to do a wilderness experience like that, you know, yeah. myself. I would like... I would like to go somewhere. You know what? I would like to live with a with a nomad family in um, in Namibia, for example. Oh wow! Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just like test myself for two weeks, you right. know, to see how that would be. Where you know you can't speak the same language. All you're reliant on is like your heart, your body language, and hopefully that they understand your soul and. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, and uh, and your smile. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you've got a great smile. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Claude. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about VaynerMedia. You must be speaking to a lot of people at VaynerMedia because 800 plus uh, team members. Um, a lot of people struggle with having hard conversations, even myself sometimes. Uh, and one of my mentors taught me that the more hard conversations I have, the more I will grow. So how do you have hard conversations with someone at work? 
It's, I mean, that's the million dollar question. I think it's something that we all ask ourselves and we're all, we all struggle with because none of us want to really hurt. You know, we feel like we're going to hurt someone if we tell them the truth. And so we, we chicken out, we shy away from those conversations. And the fact is, if you go into any of those conversations with kindness and honesty, you can't lose, but you have to start with the kindness, remembering that you're about to give someone some subjective information on how you feel like they're doing, you know, and they may disagree. But if you can go into that conversation and humble yourself enough to know, again, we're all students and we're all teachers. And so you can start that conversation even by saying, this is really going to be a challenging conversation. Or I'd really like to give you some of my observations. I hope you wouldn't mind. Or I hope it's okay that I hope you know that I'm coming to you with this conversation because I want the best for you. I want you to grow. I want you to really, really break through those barriers. And I have some thoughts. You have to go into a conversation like that, reminding yourself how you would listen, how you would hear someone say, he figures it okay if I give you some observations. You know, you have to, that's empathy for you. And remembering that, again, what you're going to share with them is just subjective. So it's not the end-all, be-all answer. It's just you saying, hey, this is going to be a challenging conversation. But I'm, I'm here for you. I got your back. I'm rooting for you. Those are the things that you need to say. That's kindness, that's empathetic, that's full of heart, and then full of truth. And hopefully, someone understands that you want them to grow. You want to share something that you think will get them from point A to point B to point C. You know, you're not trying to, quote unquote, hurt them. You want to facilitate their growth. That's some really great tips, Claude. Very, yeah. very actionable. Something that, you know, I'm sure anyone in the audience can implement from today. So Yeah, yeah good. I mean, I think that's the thing. You just have to practice over and over and over and know that you're not always going to hit it out of the park. You're not always going to do it great, you know, but then you, you have the opportunity to either redo it, to apologize or to do it better the next time. Yeah, no, that's really good. I always try to see it whenever I'm, I'm planning for a very tough conversation or hard. And I know that the other party is going to feel hurt. I, I always try to, to verbally practice it myself. And then I try to listen from a third party. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, is this coming out in a kind and objective? Well, as objective as it can be, you know, or politically correct, but yet straight and raw so they can understand the feedback. That's right. Yeah, you got to be straight with them. You got to be straight with them. Even, and again, I say it, how would you like someone to give you feedback and information? You kind of just want someone to give it to you straight. Yeah. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Claude. Yeah, of course. Uh, company culture is so important today. Um, and there are stats indicating that JCs prefer to work for a company that has a vibrant culture rather than making more money at another company, but with a worst company culture. And for all 
entrepreneurs out there creating their own companies that might have 10 or, or 20 team members, what are two or three actionable tips you can share that they can implement already this week to build a loving, open and strong company culture? Yes, it's a phenomenal question because it's so important right now, especially as we're virtual and soon to be very hybrid workforce, you know? And so I believe that one of the best things you can do as a leader to build incredible company culture, one that's built on psychological safety and belonging and inspiration and creativity is to put yourself out there, is to be a vulnerable leader, is to let people know who you are, to share some of who you are with people, to over-communicate, you know, to make sure that people feel valued and that they matter and that, and, and that you recognize them and thank them. These are things that you can do right now. Hey, thank you, Fika. Thank you for showing up every single day. Thank you for taking the time to help your team become better. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming to work with a smile on your face. Thank you for raising your hand. Those types of things, they go so long. They go so far. You know, being compassionate, being kind, making sure that, you know, you're being the bigger person in every situation. And what does that really mean? That means that reminding yourself that not everything is about you. As a leader, you're, I believe, as a leader, I'll say for me, my job is to turn other people into, into leaders, into heroes. And so none of the conversations I have are about Claude. They're about you. What can I do to make you feel authentically recognized and valued and that I want you to be here forever? I want you to be at this job forever. And if it's not forever, I want the 10 years, the five years, the two years that we spend together to be the best career decision of your, of your life. Those are the things. And it's literally, you know, I, I figured, I feel like it's the same way you treat your children. It's the same way you treat your family. It's the same way you treat your friends with kindness, you know, with goodness, with an open mind, communicating with some vulnerability. These are not things that are that challenging because we do them every day in our other cultures. It's just a matter of bringing that into work, you know, making sure that you know, you're sharing optimism with people. And you're giving people opportunity to grow and progress because people want to progress in their life. It is an enormous motivator to know that, oh, I'm going to get a promotion. Oh, they're going to put me up for this job. Oh, I'm going to be put on that project. They believe me. They value me. You know, these are things that are really, it doesn't take rocket science. It just takes heart. <laughs> Claude, you mentioned kindness like multiple times in this conversation. I mean, it's not rocket science also, you know, kindness. Why do you think, well, why is it so important to you? Is this something that it's very important at, at VaynerMedia or can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, kindness is extremely important to us at VaynerMedia. It is kindness and compassion are, uh, they fuel us. Without kindness and compassion, I don't know how you build a culture that is 
sustainable and scalable because I don't know who wants to work for you. You know, no, I, I just don't think the population today of the workforce, the millennials and certainly not the Gen Zs, want to work for, you know, militant leaders. They just don't. And it's, it, listen, life, life opens up when you are a caring human being. Life opens up when you have positivity in your world and you have emotional optimism. And emotional optimism is not toxic positivity. And emotional optimism means understanding that we all have a variety of different emotions. Things happen to us in our life. Things happen to us in our day. Our feelings get hurt. We get triggered. We get sad. We get angry. We get upset. We get disappointed. We, we feel happy. We feel joyful. We feel promise. And acknowledging all of those emotions and then moving forward into what is possible, not holding on to the emotions. Emotions are data. Emotions are data. They inform us of whatever it is we need to be informed of. But then move, move, move ahead, move forward. Anyway, that's all about kindness and, and uh, the wisdom of the heart. That's really good that you brought up emotional optimism because I was going to ask you about that, but thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. But how do you lead with your heart and with emotional optimism? Well, it, it's, it's showing up as a vulnerable, authentic human being, meaning what you see is what you get. So okay. prior to this conversation, you said, you know, I listened to a bunch of your interviews, Claude, and I really got excited to talk to you. I mean, why? Why did you get excited to talk to me after listening to those conversations? Because you probably realize, like, I'm just a real person and I'm just, you know, I'm pretty normal. Yes, very. Com I found you, like, like, I found you very compassionate, very interesting. Uh, well... I would say no one is normal, but, you know, very interesting, you know, a very interesting person and somebody with a big heart. And I felt uh, honestly very, very curious to speak to you. So. <laughs> and you probably found me to be pretty approachable. Yes, certainly. Right. Certainly. Approachability is how you lead. For me, that's how I lead. Being available, being approachable being a, as a being an emotional human being you know and letting the people know around me like i too feel i too don't have all the answers i too want this world to be a better place i too want us to build the best culture possible i'm just like you yes and that's what it, that's what emotional optimism is for me That is how I lead with my heart every single day, by letting you know that I'm just like you. I happen to have been on this earth a little bit longer than you, Fika, or than uh, the majority of the people at VaynerMedia, just because I was born in 1969. But it doesn't mean I'm any different. I'm yeah. just like you. And that equalizes the playing field. Very deep words, Claude. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday morning for me. Very yeah. deep. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it.
Okay. Um, another thing that, um, that you, that, that came up when I was doing a little bit of homework before this conversation was time management and energy management. And that's something that's coming up frequently in all the, the, the interviews that, that you've been given that I've seen, I've seen online. Um, what is that? And can you elaborate on how one can manage our time and energy? You know, it's a, it's a, that's a, like a riddle right now because we're still all, all at home and having to know that at some point we need to get up, we need to take a walk, we need to get out from behind the screen, right? That is energy management. We know that sitting in front of a screen all day is not the healthiest for our energy. We are, you know, we are human beings and we need oxygen and we need exercise and we need to breathe in fresh air. These are the things we know about ourselves, just very basic things in terms of our energy is better when it's in spurts of time, you know, meaning like you can do 20 minutes of work and then take a five minute break or do 60 minutes of work and then take a 10 minute break and walk around. You have to figure out what works for you in terms of your energy. You know, I'm, I'm much better Probably my energy is probably much better from about nine in the morning till probably like three in the afternoon. And then I start to taper off. So I know I want to have the majority of my meetings in those hours. It's important to, to figure that out for yourself. Energy management. And then once you, like I say, I know where my energy is best. And then I schedule my time in those slots. But if you catch me at five or six or eight o'clock at night, my brain is really tired by that time, you know? So time management, you know, you really, you know that you only have a certain, a limited amount of time during the day in which you need to get your tasks done, your meetings done. Figure out when your brain and your body and your energy is at its maximum and, and take care of those tasks and meetings then. And that's really kind of the balance between time management and energy management and really like empower yourself and empower your team to get up and, and shake it off and take a walk and get some water, do, you know, do something. Do sometimes I do jumping jacks, you know, sometimes I do 10 jumping jacks. Sometimes I get up and I do a big power pose, you know, like this, you know, shake out my energy. So we can only do so much. We're not, you know, we're, we're not superhuman. Not yet. Not yet. We have super big hearts, but we're not superhuman yet. It's scary when you say superhumans because I've read some scary, scary things in Homo Deus. I don't know if you've seen it. This is the second book after Sapiens. Oh my gosh. Someone just told me about this book yesterday. Yeah, it's scary. You know, I just got so scared about what we are doing to the human being and what, what we're going to become, you know, but. Anyway, uh, I love the tips. I love the power pose. You know what, um, Claude, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the blue zones in the world. Mm -mm. So you have Sardinia, you have Okinawa. There are eight places in the world where people live above 100 years old. Okay. So um, Okinawa, if of all these eight places, I've been to two of them already. I'm really intrigued in that. I've read books and everything about what they're eating, what are, what are their habits, but in Okinawa, in, it's an island of Japan, um, apparently 
the older people, they're Japanese people, they're doing a lot of these power poses every morning. It's apparently really? good. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these gymnastic movements that are basic and, but it just keeps the, the blood and the energy going, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like Tai Chi. Exactly. It's exactly. Energy. You bring the energy in and you push the energy out. You bring the energy, you know, I yeah. mean, and, you know, you do, you do capoeira, capoeira, uh, Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. So, I mean, you have to have the, the energy of the breath. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I want to go to, uh, I want to go to all those places. So, so please share them with me. Yes, I will do. I'll send an email afterwards. I found it very interesting. Yeah. Um, one very quick before I move on, but I, I went to Sardinia last summer yeah. uh, because I, I read all these books and I was like, okay, I need to go and drink the wine that they're drinking, eat what they're eating. And we went to one of these villages and uh, me and my wife were like, well, we speak Spanish, but we don't speak and French, but we don't speak Italian. Let's find some old people and, uh, and let's talk to them. And we ended up just like, we went to this cafe and there were four older people. They were 95 to, to 98 something. We, we communicated just with, you know, Italian, Spanish mixed with hands and they ended up inviting us for two, three glasses of wine. They were telling us their life stories. And one of the things that they had in common was they were walking a lot. They were walking 15 to 20 kilometers per day. That's wow. a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. At that age. Yes. Uh, well, that was until they were 65. After that, they went down. Yeah. Okay. That's still, that's still, that's a lot of that's kilometers. Still, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty okay. cool. I share more, Claude. Okay. Amazing. Uh, so I read on your website, which is really pretty and inspiring, by the way, uh, that you're building a honey empire. It sounds intriguing. Uh, what does that mean? That is what, uh, so Gary is amazing. And that is literally what he has called our culture for the longest time. And a honey empire, if you think about it, the honey is the people, is the goodness, is the emotional intelligence. The honey is the energy that we put into developing our human beings there. The honey is communication skills. The honey is our heart. The empire is the business. The empire is the, the, uh, the business success, our, our P&L, our uh, go-to-market strategies, what we're doing, how we productize our, our you know, creative output. You need both, the honey and the empire. It is honey first. It's not empire first. We take care of our people. We pour everything we can into these extraordinary human beings. We put so much care and emphasis and growth and development. And the output is the business success the client success, the consumer success. And that's what it is. It's honey. We also say honey over vinegar. Of course. Okay. That's very nice. I love that metaphor. So yeah. Many ultra successful people such as Damon John, Kevin O'Leary, Steven Spielberg, but also yourself have dyslexia. Some claim it to be weakness. How have you turned it into one of your strengths? Um, uh, Richard Branson. 
Virgin, uh, Virgin and Albert Einstein as well. It is a strength because it gave me the power of intuition. I had to rely on other things to other skills to get through school and I think get through my work life in many ways. And I developed my intuitive ability, I believe, very, very young to help me figure out the world. You know, I'm, I'm a real big empath, so I feel a lot. And I also think, I also think it really helped me with my emotional intelligence. Being a big feeler, that's what I kind of rely on. But, you know, being dyslexic, you know, I, I misspell things a lot. In my emails, I'll miss words. My brain is going too fast. So I literally skip words. I have to reread the email once or two times in order to make sure it's perfect to send out. Um, I also, for me, the way dyslexia comes about is something called spatial relations. And so the way things are placed spatially in a room is something that's a challenge for me. For example, if I have a blank room, there's nothing in it. It's a challenge for me to know where to set things up. However, I can tell you what I want in the room. I want a couch. I want two chairs, a few lamps, a desk, a reading light. But I, I have a harder time telling you how to put that together in a room. But I can feel what I want it to feel like. I can tell you what the feeling is like. I want people to feel very relaxed. I want people to feel very zen and very taken care of and comforted when they walk into that room and invigorated at the same time. So I can tell, so that's, that's what dyslexia gave me. Really, really gave me the ability to lean in on my emotions. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, and you made a, a very, very strong career. Have a great life resume, you know, on top of that, based on that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It just goes to show you anyone can do anything. Yes, it's true. <laughs> anyone can do anything. And uh, that's what I want to make sure people know in this world, that you don't have to be like everyone else. Yeah. That's in fact, we want to celebrate everyone's uniqueness rather than having you know, twins and triplets and quadruplets. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I don't have many more questions, Claude, but I, you're very clear about your role and what value you add to VaynerMedia. You have said that your job and purpose is to provide my manager with information so he can focus on scaling the company. And I'm sure a lot of people in the audience, I mean, to be honest, are not, not 100% clear like you about their job function. How can one become clear about their job function and how they are actually adding value to the company? You know, I think the answer is this. What is it that you're doing? Are you doing something that makes you happy, something that fills you up, something that lights you up? If you are doing a job that you have passion for, you will be able to find your purpose. And what I mean by this is I knew at a very young age that I was a very good coach. Why? Because I like people. I like to develop people. I like to clap, clap, clap it up for people. I knew 
that I was always going to be a very good coach and mentor. And I was always going to have someone's back. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And little by little, all of the jobs I did in my life have brought me to this role today where that's all I do. Even those jobs where I waited tables. When I waited tables, I was still taking care of people, right? I was taking care of the customers. When I bartended, I was still taking care of people. When I taught surfing, I was coaching people. When I was an account director, I was you know, educating and working with clients to make sure that we were fulfilling on the promise. So the point is, figure out what it is you love doing. Figure it out. Figure out what lights you up. It's not about money. Figure out what makes your heart happy. When you go to work and it's not a chore, you go to work and you like smile and you kind of have like a skip in your step, you're on the right path. And lean into that. Whatever that feeling is, lean into that because that is where you are going to shine. And this is about blooming. Every single person, every single person on this planet deserves the opportunity to bloom and bloom again and bloom again and bloom again. That's a very, very powerful tip, Claude. You know, it reminds me when I was 16 until I was 21, 22 something, I was working in my family's restaurant as a waiter. And it's uh, one of the hardest jobs I've had, but one of the most fulfilling. I learned so much. I talked to so many people and I realized, you know what? I want to work. I want to have a career where I meet a lot of people and just like make them happy, you know? So there you go. There you go. And look at you now. Thank you. Um, Claude, I have a last question. Um, Can you name one to three books that have massively impacted your life? Yeah, I can. And funny enough, we're talking about waiting tables. And here is a book called Setting the Table by Danny Myers, who is a restaurateur. The book is all about hospitality and bringing hospitality into the business world. This is a great, great book about leadership, I think. Uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is just an incredible book about being present. Really, really being present and reminding yourself that the moment is happening right now. Now and now and now. You don't have to focus on the past or the future. Just focus on now. And then Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, I think, is a really great, con- a really great uh, book about leadership, having challenging conversations, being vulnerable. It's all about courageous leadership. These are three books that are just super powerful. I'm an avid reader, uh, Claude. I've read The Power of Now twice. I really like it. Uh, I liked it better the second time I read it. And I felt like I was a different person when I read it the second time. I guess it's a proof that I'm growing, you know. But the other two, I'm definitely going to check them out. Thank you, Claude. Yeah, of course. where can people find find you online and where do you where can they go to say hello to your social media and is there anything you would like them to check out in particular? Yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh yeah, please find me on um uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. Check out I have a podcast um called Emotional Optimism Living in the Silver Lining and uh, check that out. But you know, 
drop me a line. I get back to everyone that writes me. It takes me, it might take me a little bit of time, but I love hearing from people. I want to know what, what people are up to and, uh, and certainly, you know, how I can provide them value and, and what makes sense to them. Thank you very much, Claude. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I uh, really appreciate your valuable time and our conversation. So keep inspiring other people out there. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fika with Rice. I hope you enjoyed the show. Who do you want to have on our show? Let us know by sending me an email at frederick at absoluteinternship.com. And before you go, if you like this conversation, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or Spotify to get to listen to more inspirational stories and life hacks. We really appreciate it. See you next time and much gratitude for listening.